नमस्कार एंड वेलकम टू डेली ग्लोबल इंसाइट्स एपिसोड नंबर 253 अ शाउट आउट टू आवर व्यूअर्स टू लाइक दिस प्रोग्राम सो दैट इट कैन रीच इट्स मैक्सिमम पोटेंशियल टुडे इज संडे एंड हियर आर द मेन पॉइंट्स इंडिया कमिट्स टू एक्सपोर्ट 8 मिलियन वैक्सीन्स इन अक्टूबर एंड इन 1 बिलियन बाय द एंड ऑफ 2022 Huawei CFO Meng Wanzhou will be released and allowed to return to china after reaching an uh, agreement with the us government charges of fraud iran refuses to move further with vienna talks unless there are specific concessions from the us bitcoin and other cryptocurrency slide as china intensifies its crackdown welcome sridhar ji and welcome to daily global insights weekend edition sir how are you Good morning. I'm very good. Good morning to everybody. Uh, good evening in the United States, and uh, looking forward to this uh, Sunday program. And there's lots of things that's happened over the last uh, 72 hours. Yes, Sridhar ji, the Quad meeting concludes on expected lines, and it was much more of a show and tell for Biden, whose policy decisions have been anything but inspiring. The Quad leaders agreed to work together on security, free, open Indo-Pacific. covid-19 climate accord cyber security technology supply chains and human rights what do you draw from what you saw about the quad meeting sridhar ji i think my inferences are very simple and straightforward it was a first in person meeting uh since mr biden took over so it achieved the objectives of all the four people uh in one single room Uh, photographed and attending this session, and each of them making their specific remarks around the objectives of the Quad. It was good to see the four flags: uh, the Indian flag, the American flag, and the Japanese flag, and the Australian flag hoisted behind these leaders. Uh, it's good to see the amicability of the meeting that uh, that uh, uh, that formed the basis of their discussions and reflected in the sentiments. But when you take all the things away uh it begs the question did they really move the needle by way of what was set out from a quad point of view the most poignant statement came from the foreign secretary of india which says quad is not directed against any specific nation but it is to make sure that there is a rules based policy in action in Indo-Pacific South China Seas and India commits to export of 8 million vaccines in October and 1 billion by the end of 2022 all leaders pledge support and agreed to meet once a year i think this is the quad meeting isn't that sridhar ji that's correct i think that they said that uh, we are all hunky dory and uh, you know we have a great camaraderie and we will meet once once in a year in person so we can have a warm exchange of views and greetings and so on and so forth if i sound a little bit sarcastic uh, that's how i uh, read the meeting uh, there's been pro comments and there has been uh, very few uh, anti comments uh, the reason being the quad itself was established as a security dialogue it was not established to form another united nations council in south china sea uh, and i think that's where my uh, strong criticism comes from 
We have incursions in Taiwan, daily incursions in Taiwan as this meeting kicked in. Uh, the Taiwanese, uh, the Chinese planes, uh, you know, uh, again rammed into the, uh, the Taiwan, uh, and Taiwan had to scramble. There has been Russian incursion on the upper north corner of Japan. There has been the incursion on the, uh, by the Chinese in the Senkaku side. But no comment and no mention is made. And this is a, this is a group which must send a clear message uh, to China uh, and then also around the Philippines. So instead, we have vaccines, climate accord, rules-based policy, etc. So this is how I read it, sir. Sorry. And PM Modi holds bilateral meetings with President Biden and Vice President Harris and discusses U.S.-India partnership. PM Modi also holds meetings with Australia and Japanese Prime Ministers on the sidelines. What do you attach for the meeting of Prime Minister Modi with the Vice President Kamala Harris Tridharji? I think the, uh, uh, the clearly the, the, the card, the Indian card was played. Uh, that's, uh, I think that's the first and foremost observation. The second observation is that if we carefully look at uh, the way these meetings are being conducted, there is some element of doubt around Mr. Biden's ability to do one-on-one -on -one unless it is in a, with a broad set of people. If you see Mr. Modi's meeting with uh, Madam Harris, Vice President Harris, or if you see Boris uh, Yeltsin's, uh, sorry, Boris Johnson's meeting with uh, Madam Harris, or if you see the Zambia president, uh, they fight much more one-on-one -on -one and, uh, you know, there is a lot of trust in terms of what uh, Harris can do. So the way I see it is that it was a good exposure to Madam Harris into the global leadership and the foreign politics and foreign policy. It's possible that she may be driving it much more than Antony Blinken. That's how I see it. And Prime Minister Modi, in his UN address, touched on a number of topics, including COVID-19, terrorism, democracy, science and technology, clean water and general technology, India to become the world's largest green hydrogen hub. His famous words, when India grows, the world grows. When India reforms, the world transforms, is something that is for the ages, Sridharji. This was something very, very interesting. What do you make of the last line? That is very interesting. When India reforms, the world transforms. Well, I think it's uh, the uh, what Modi is saying is that India is uh, transforming the world. Um, and basically, he is using three essential drivers as his framework, though he has given eight specific themes in his accord. What's the first and foremost? India has vaccinated close to a billion people, and India is going to be the anchor by which the vaccines are going to be distributed to the world. He made this statement when he had not vaccinated this many people. Now he has got a track record, which is to say we had a problem, we had a hiccup, we are back. And he's showing that commitment in October itself. So I think that's the first. So therefore, so India is no longer a consumptive. It is a consumptive, but also it's a power that distributes its goodness and well-being to the world. So that's the first observation. The second observation is much has been touted and talked about around the green hub. Uh, around the climate accord and uh, emission control and gases. If you take a look at the countries, one of the countries that is, uh, you know, leading the way is very clearly in alternative energy and green hydrogen uh, uh, and green gas. 
uh, theory is India. So therefore, he's saying, look, you want, uh, you know, the around the climate accord, then we have, we are there and we are again uh, showcasing to the world and we want the world to come and embrace and invest. And if we need, we'll do the technology uh, transfer. I think that's the second message that he's, uh, he is trying to give, which is transformative rather than revolutionary or evolutionary. These are not, this is maybe incremental changes, but changes that are getting cascaded in. The third, I think the important point is that the, around the exports, which is namely India was not purely, uh, you know, opportunist, opportunistically taking help from the world in terms of meeting the demands. Most notably around two areas. One is agriculture. Food is a much, much needed necessity in the world. And the second is around the manufacturing services, the, especially because of the issues that developed around China, especially because of the supply chain disruptions that's happened in a number of countries, etc. So the third, we are also doing it in those domains. So I look at it as which is to say that India has changed. And when India reforms, the world transforms. And uh, GOP Maricopa audit count confirms Biden win over Trump in November elections by 360 votes more than the official number, although officials are raising significant concern of voter fraud and election security. We are in possession of the five-page report and it does have a lot of questions for some strange reason. It's not strange reason. It is, we know why. Uh, it has all been papered over. Sridharji, how do you explain what the mainstream media in the US and elsewhere is trying to say that this audit report confirms what really happened? Uh, the mainstream media is in a denial. Mainstream media is in a denial on every issue that is happening in the United States. Okay, the mainstream yeah. media, as you all are aware, uh, is left-leaning and left-aligned. Anything that is possible, they are trying to tie a, a rope around, uh, you know, Trump's neck, which is effectively to state, you know, it's an insurrection. It is he is trying to do a coup and illegitimate elections being delegitimized, etc. But they are not addressing the fundamental issue. The fundamental issue is that there is inconsistent laws, inconsistent interpretation of laws. There is a number of invalid votes that is being construed as valid. The audits itself, it is not a truly an audit. It's just simply recount of the votes. That's about it. It's not validation whether any uh, uh, votes were you know, duplicates, triplicates, whether any votes had uh, invalidation, validation at the point of uh, boots because there are specific protocols that one need to follow. None of these things is uh, encapsulated in the audit reports. What you see in audit reports is just simply a recount. So this is where, again, the number that I have seen is quoted from uh, in the Arizona that you point, especially Maricopa County, is, is 49,000 votes, roughly around 49,000 votes, which can come into question around two specific factors. One is the absentee ballots, and second is the duplicity of the votes or validity of the votes itself. So therefore, these two things were questioned, they were not validated. So which brings to bear the issue that main, mainstream media is not interested. It has its man in power, and the reform and the agenda can now go on, albeit with this type of franchise being given to Mr. Biden. And DHS um, Secretary Mayorka says the Haitians under the Del Rio Bridge 
were not tested for COVID-19. GOP senators demand ex-Border Patrol Chief Rodney Scott to testify before Congress. From Tulsi Gabbard to other political commentators, many slam Biden over his pledge to punish Border Patrol agents on horseback. We all saw this thing on Twitter and, and YouTube and so on, where a Border Patrol agent was trying to uh, hold uh, one of the Haiti, Haitian immigration uh, immigrant illegal immigrant uh, by the scruff of his neck and try to push him back. And this has become a huge furore. What people are forgetting was these were all illegal crossings and this was how they were supposed to be dealing with them. Um, anything, you know, is now getting taken out of context. Sridharji, how do you think this is going to play out? Uh, well, it's already played out. We have plenty of illegal uh, alien CSA for uh, we have had close to 2 million people who have come into the border. Now, Haitians are uh, very confident. They feel they should get their due share. So they have brought the people across. Even the Mexican uh, government is fighting. So they are making their way through. Uh, you know, we don't know who, who are the next set of nationals who are going to come in. The, the Customs and Border Patrol constantly get, gets abused by the progressive group in the House. Uh, they are the target of the investigation. And I think we have already covered in daily uh, Global Insights, the ICE has been dismantled, Immigration and Custom Enforcement. There is nothing to nothing to enforce. If you remember, Mayorkas has, again, we have covered this, has given empowerment to the Customer Border Patrol for them to grant asylum at spot rather than going through a court process. So this is how it is being played out. They want all these people to come in and, uh, you know, shake the system here and and Mr. Bernie Sanders has uh, touted all the time an open border policy. AOC, who leads, again, the progressive front, has touted an open border policy. So what you're witnessing is, you know, seamless inflow of Central Americans coming into the country. Texas has not been uh, given any uh, say in this specific matter. And Texas and Arizona bear the brunt of this. That's why it's very unfortunate. This uh, horse issue, anyway, so, sorry, I'll let you, uh, I'll pause for a second before I wrap up the horse issue. Well, uh, I would uh, request uh, Senator Sanders, Congresswoman AOC, and any other persons from the progressives group who should, who believe that there should be open borders policy, please go down and spend a week on the Texas border, set up a kitchen, a food kitchen. That's it. Nothing else. And just do the work, serve the people who are trying to come in. And let me see how many of you are going to still uh, ask for this to happen. Sir, please continue. Sorry, sir. Um, by the way, Biden has not visited the southern borders as yet. This is the bone of contention between the mainstream media and him. And if you recall, he was quite flippant and snubbed the media, both in Boris Johnson as well as Prime Minister Modi Smith. But the main issue that has propped up is which the progressive have came has have claimed is another instance of racial critical racial and racial discrimination theory which is namely this police officer that you have mentioned who is on a horse uh, is supposed to have used the horseshoe to stamp the back of the person uh, so therefore this is how the people are treated uh, in united states so this is another you know if you have to use the word you know supremist uh, type of tendency which has prevailed here. And this is what people have condemned unilaterally. And subsequently, the mainstream media itself showed the video 
which is contrary to what the assumptions these progressive groups drew and made a statement in the House. Representative Ted Lieu, a California Democrat, is leading an effort to undermine the federal government's investigations of Chinese influence over scientists, researchers, and others engaged in alleged economic espionage. Remember, we told you that the number is around 1.5 million. Another interesting development, Huawei CFO Meng Wanzhou will be released and allowed to return to China after reaching an agreement with the U.S. government on charges uh, on the charges of fraud that were brought against her this is strange huawei has been long suspected of spying in on u.s companies which was a core bone of contention and they wanted to investigate the cfo who happens to be the daughter of the founder of the huawei company said huawei has pla linkages there's no doubt about that what is this sham deal that mr biden did well, Huawei, as you rightly pointed out, Sriji, is uh, founded by an, a retired PLA general. Um, it has been uh, accused of alleged spying. Um, now, there was certain transactions that was done. That's why it was called as a wire fraud, which is believed that this technology was transferred to Iran, was given to Iran during that period and the financial transactions relate to that. Lo and behold, on the day of, uh, this is my another sarcastic comment, another, uh, on the day of the Quad meeting is the day she was released. Uh, and the reciprocal gesture is the two Michaels of Canadians who were illegally detained and, and put behind bars by the Chinese as a reciprocal towards Huawei were released. Why the Canadians? Because the Huawei CFO was held in Canada, right? She was arrested and held in Canada at the request of the United States. So now the CFO Meng has reached China. She is hunky-dory. She is very happy. And the two Canadians are making their way to Canada. This is about as, uh, as, good, as, it, as good as it gets as far as the Quad is concerned, even from the Northern American uh, soil. With regard to the, uh, the, the, the Californian senator intervening on those things, it just is a reflection of how deep the deep state is. I, we had talked about this in Daily Global Insights. There are various constituent groups which funded the Democratic Party elections. There's various constituent groups. You can see each of these policy decisions, be it in Iran, be it in Palestine, uh, be it in Afghanistan, be it on Pakistan, be it on Africa, uh, be it on China, any of these policies that you see the influence of this group in shaping the decision of the Biden administration. So if somebody thinks that this is, you know, put all this, uh, you know, one shoe fits all approach, you are sorry, you are incorrect. It's a very different 2020 was a very different election relative to the past elections. And these are the policies that you are beginning to see. Already you have seen the COVID. COVID has been suppressed. There is no further investigation that is going on. And we covered that again in Daily Global Insights. Now the interference and influence of the Chinese uh, nationals within the United States in terms of scientific research and all these other matters is now there's a senator, California Democratic senator, leading the effort to stop the investigations. So that just puts in a nutshell what the status of United States is 
forget the border issue, forget the budget issue, forget any of these issues. When you take this all into account, we are in a state of complete paralysis. And the U.S. could run out of cash by mid-October and potentially create a, a global crisis while the Democrats and Republicans collide on infrastructure, budget, and debt suspension bills. Nancy Pelosi is in one of the tightest binds of her political career as she tries to muscle through the 5.7 trillion new spending initiative. The numbers are just out of the world, Sridharji, but I have no idea where this is going. I don't see anything going to the needy. I see everybody still struggling in and around me. Well, I think that the more the people struggle, the more will be the dole outs that they will ask for in the House or the Senate. Uh, let me kind of delineate what it means. Three trillion dollars budget is a budget. That means it will be embedded into the operating expenses side of the budget. We had already done last year a very extensive, uh, you know, fireside session on the U.S. budget and COVID. We will do one more once all these numbers settle. What it does in terms, it adds probably a trillion dollars at least, uh, somewhere between 600 billion to trillion dollars to the expense side of the, the budget. Okay, how are they going to tackle the revenue? They said that they will tackle the revenue side to fund this by increasing a whole slew of taxes from individuals to corporations and including wealth tax, transaction tax, etc. Lo and behold, it remains to be seen how it, that is going to be done. Remember, this is a budget. We still have one to $1.2 trillion of the stimulus plus another trillion dollars. That's how this number becomes $5.7 trillion, 3.5 budget, 2.2 stimulus, making it a $5.7 trillion. If you just simply pass the budget, it's fine. You're not going to pass the budget. You're going to have a whole set of wrinkles tied around it. And uh, you, under U.S. sanctions, Iran and Venezuela strike an oil deal. Iran refuses to move further with Vienna talks unless there are specific concessions from the U.S. Hezbollah locked and loaded. If Israel attacks, say the leaders, such is the state of global affairs. Sridharji, um, Iran and Venezuela. Venezuela has become an importer of oil now, isn't it? Yes, I think the uh, the oil deal that they're talking about is they have this high condensate, uh, uh, you know, very thick oil. So what they're saying is they'll give that to Iran. Okay, so that way you, it's a barter of oil rather than cash for purchase. And they will get the lighter version of the Iran to fulfill. And Iran may process it and, uh, you know, sell it at a higher kind of a price. But the, uh, the, the, the point that one is trying to make here is that there's a circumvention that is going on uh, here. I know somebody made a comment in one of the observations was, oh, you know, there is no sanctions. No, there are specific sanctions in place. Uh, the P, you know, it's called five plus one. The five is the five European nations plus, uh, which is Russia, China, China, if you add, then there is U.S. The U.S. has very categorically not lifted unilaterally all the, all the sanctions. If it has lifted all the sanctions, then Iran will be at the table on the nuclear deal. So we have some contentious issues on the Iran, uh, you know, Venezuela situation. Again, all of this, there is an invisible hand of China in this. Okay, without Chinese assertive help, Iran and Venezuela, countries like Iran and Venezuela will not move. 
obviously they are also especially venezuela they are all helped by the progressive groups in within the democratic party in united states you don't need to believe you go and look at the websites of uh, some of these progressive leaders you will see who their uh, uh, general allegiances and uh, salutations are to then it becomes fairly very evident uh, and then the other last concern is that hezbollah so now anybody can take a pot shot at uh, united states okay if taliban does it iran does it anybody can take a pot shot now hezbollah is taking a shot which is to say israel if you attack i am ready and uh, fully loaded uh, to unleash on you Naftali Bennett to meet Bahraini and UAE leadership in New York to cement the Israel relationship with Middle East no longer a US priority Israel leadership reaches out to Jordan to cement its relationship North Korea would consider an open summit with South Korea if mutual respect were assumed China Taiwan tensions pose tough questions for Japan as chinese planes attempt to enter the red zone again japan welcomes taiwan's cptpp bid citing its values shridhar ji a quick look at what is happening in taiwan and japan sir what's happening in uh, taiwan is taiwan is getting constantly beaten up by the chinese china uh, taiwan is uh, shoring up its resources now it has got Uh, surface-to-air batteries in its border, ready to unleash. You remember, it has drones and attack drones. Um, it has also got some footprint of the U.S. soldiers on its soil. Uh, Japan has pledged help uh, should the, should there be an attack, um, and so Taiwan is preparing itself and saying, "You all conduct all these types of meetings, but I am every day under the threat because I am bullied, being bullied by the Chinese." So you have these, have these incidents, and I think almost every day we have reported. And very interestingly, I'm sure Taiwanese are being advised. Taiwan made a strategic move. You want to come to CPTPP? No problem. I also want to be there. It'll be interesting to see. what the what the cptpp does now with respond to with uh, with with regard to the japanese japan japan is very clear china is imminent and clear danger to its security it sees taiwan as a gateway with next step into japan so every five of the leaders every one of them have stood up and basically said they will shore up their defense budget they will make sure that there is capabilities to deter any kind of advancement and they will also take a position to defend taiwan in the event of an attack so you can see very close uh, alignment in terms of what is going on both on the trade side as well as on the security side between japan and taiwan and let's take a quick look at digital currencies bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies slide as china intensifies its crackdown Markets can witness turbulence in the weeks ahead with debt ceiling, budget, federal moves, and China. So, Sita Ji, uh, how low do you think Bitcoin is going to go this time, and uh, when do you think it will be back up? Well, I think the crypto is being played. I mean, this is we have talked about this even last. China doesn't want any other crypto to be used by its individual citizens. it wants only chinese crypto to be used 
Remember, China is not going to dismantle crypto or the digital currency. If somebody thinks that's what they're going to do, it's stupid and it's silly. They launched a digital currency at the government level linked to Yuan. They said that no other person should start regional exchanges. They would prefer people like Singapore and Japan and Korea to be collaborating with them with the digital exchanges. So one needs to delineate between crypto digital currency to what China aspires and what it thinks its citizens should have. What it's saying is you cannot hold Bitcoin, you cannot hold Ethereum, you cannot hold Dogecoin. I will decide what you need to hold. So some of this market shakeup is, that is going on is as these people unload or they try to rebalance by selling theirs, you are seeing some price movement. Um, I, I, again, you know, as I have mentioned before, I'm still holding uh, you know, Bitcoin to somewhere around $60,000 by end of the year. You'll see this. These things move up like at uh, astronomical speed. They go down at astronomical speed. They go back, go back up at astronomical speed. So that's how I see the cryptocurrencies being getting played out, sir. With that, uh, our uh, today's uh, module comes to an end. Thanks for joining. Thanks for subscribing. And thanks for liking the program. And we'll be back again Monday morning, bright and early. Namaskar. Namaskar. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful day.